Cornerstone Conversations, having a chat with Neil and Matt. Good afternoon, Matthew. How are you? Good. That's good. And hello, listeners. Uh, Very glad to be here today. What was with that, man? What's the good? I don't know. It's good. I was just making sure. Good. Good. (laughs) Hello, everyone. Sorry, that was... Very rude. Very rude. I was in the middle of my deep thoughts then. You were... Yes, we, we're, um, we're, <laughs> we're, now I don't know what I'm doing. Okay. Shall we start again? No, it's all good. Oh, okay. Let's go. Let's we're not going to edit let's this one. Let's get it done. Yes, because it's good. Good. It's good. <laughs> yes. We, uh. It was good. We're going to talk about our Sunday message. We are. And it was about unity in the church. Yeah. There's a couple of things in there that <clears throat> I wanted to highlight in terms of how serious God takes a disunity. Um, and the caveat was on the weekend, I said, look, this isn't something that I'm seeing here, mm-hmm. but it's something I'm very aware that is prevalent in the world and that we've got to yeah. be really careful not to adopt that same system yep. uh, within the churches. So um, it's really, there's some pretty strong words actually that James wrote and also written in Proverbs as well, just about, yep. you know, discord and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah. So... You're right there. Sorry, it's playing footsies. Yeah, foots under my seats, man. (laughs) Anyway, so I started out with John chapter seventeen, and I read verse twenty to twenty-three. This is setting up on Jesus praying for his disciples that were with him at the time, Mm. and how he was praying to God. He said, "I've given them your word, and now they're going to send that message. I want you to keep them, God, um, from the devil, basically from the evil one, from the world." That they're in the world, but not of the world. So he knew that, you know, we needed to be here yeah. on earth uh, to finish the mission that he started. And he said, look, I'm not praying, God, take them out of the world. What I want you to do is protect them in the world. So this yeah. is a prayer that he prayed over them. But then he sort of added on to that in these verses here, that he's actually not just those disciples then, but the ones that would come in the future. So for us at Cornerstone... Hmm. Um, in a way, it's like Jesus looking, you know, 2,000 plus years down the road and going, God, those believers in Cornerstone. Yeah. I want to include them in this prayer right now. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah. And this is what it says. I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you're in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I've given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me Mm. and that you love them as much as you love me. Yep. So, Matt, what stands out in that passage for you? I think the the perfect unity is something that that jumps out there. Mm. Um, You know, that may, may they, may us, may we experience such perfect unity that through that the world knows that that Jesus was sent and and um that God loves us just as much as he loved his own son you know like and and just that uh I guess the there's the there's a challenge there for us just to be thinking you know what's what's our attitude towards each other as we as we journey together um and and are we in that space of of understanding and experiencing that perfect unity that just through that relationship 
that we have with each other that the world would know who God is and who Jesus is and how much God loves them. Yeah. That's yes, yeah, yeah. So it's not just us. So it's not like that they that the world will know that you know you love the church people. No, oh yeah, no, sorry, and yes, yes, yeah, somebody, yeah. The, the, that God loves everyone. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, sort of offshoot from that unity, isn't it? Like to think that, like at the very base of our sharing of faith. Yep. That's it. That yep. we somehow are in unity and that same spirit, that same character that mm. is in God, in Christ, is in us and that we're together in this. Um, so, Matt, when you think of the Father and the Son, I, I guess like we know that the Father loves us because he sent yep. the Son. Yeah. And they were unified in that. So Jesus was like, you know, I come to do my Father's will. Um, I'm prepared to go to the cross and die because I know this is the plan. Mm-hmm. There, there was this, you know, coming together, and I would say, like, uh, obviously Jesus as Jesus the man, even mm. though it was Jesus God as well, um, had to seek the Father's will. And so, in some ways, you know, you look at the Garden of Gethsemane and Jesus praying, and he's like, "God, is is there another way, Father?" Yeah. Yep. So even in that process, it's like working through God's plan to get the outcome. Is there another way? I don't want to take this, mm. but hey, let you will be done. Do you think then that, like, say if we say the word unity, that it mm. means that we all need to be exactly the same? No. So what's the difference between that uniformity and unity? I think um, there's a... <clears throat> Unity is 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 one with God, like what Jesus shows. You know, oh, Jesus had his opinions about how things should go down, but he lays lays them down in order to fulfil the will of God. Yep. Um, and so that should be the same for us. You know, mm. we we are all unique. We're all made different. We all have uh, ideas and perspectives and opinions. But at the end of the day we should be in a place where we're laying things down and allowing God's will to succeed. And through that, mm. we have unity. Yeah, so... So there's a, I think there's, there's an importance for us to be always checking with our attitude and with the things that we're speaking and or doing in yep. that, is this something that's driven by my self and selfish motives or is this something that, that God is inviting us into and, and yep. we're working together on? Yeah, and how can we work together with our differences in the way we think or yeah. whatever to actually achieve God's purposes on earth? Yeah. I think that's the thing is like when you look at, you know, for us as a church, is our purpose to fulfill my needs? You know, is that the ultimate end of the, you know, the church is that, hey, I've got needs, beat them. Mm. Um, And this is one of the things, I guess, that, you know, as I was thinking about this message is like how often in this world that there's such expectation placed on government, on your workplace, on your schools, on other people, you need to meet my needs. Mm. And it becomes a very self-serving society because everyone wants their needs met. Whereas... I think with Christ, it's really all about us working together for the common good 
and not having expectations placed on people that are unrealistic. And I guess this is one of the things, obviously, over years of being a Christian, you, you often see that people actually look to people to be their salvation, to do the things that they need rather than to God. Yeah. Um, and you have all these people in the church that are, you know, you know, you don't want to look to leaders to save you because they can't. You don't want leaders to meet all your needs because they can't. You don't mm. want to look to your husband or your wife to fulfill all your needs because they can't. Mm. And one of the things is we want those in leadership often to be perfect at everything. And you're here and you're my servant, do what I say. Um, yep. And make sure I'm whatever. And I think it's just sometimes this whole thing of, of that, it's a selfish attitude really. Mm. Rather than going, how are we doing this together? Yep. Um, you know, and whether it's in leaders or just other people within the congregation, because it can also be from the other end where leaders are, you know, also self-serving. Um, we can all be self-serving. Yeah. And I think that's really the the attitude that Christ doesn't want in His church. Um, doesn't actually fix anything. Um, so in saying that, Matt, yep. I'm presuming there's been times in your life in the church, in the Christian world, that you've been tempted to um, demand from other people? Do you think or not? I think yeah, I think, I think there's always expectation and things that we put on people, whether that's, you know, um, as, you, as you've said, leadership, relying on leadership to fulfill a, a certain requirement or expectation that we might have or, or whether that's, um, you know, on the reverse, as a, as a leader, expectation and whatever that we're putting on on other people as as part of the church, and and you know the way that we respond when people don't respond the way that we want them to, yeah. Um, you know, and that that's a that's a challenge. But I, you know, I love the the you know the example that that we are, you know, we are all bricks in a in a structure that is the church, mm. and we're all you know, carved in the quarry to the to the perfect dimension to slot into a specific place. Yep. And you know, just that that picture of of you know, like the the walls that are built that have no seams in them. You know, you yeah. can't you can't tell where one brick finishes and the next one starts. Sort of yep. uh, picture of of how how God intends for us to to fit together. And so again, it comes back to to selfish motive. I think when you know when we're when we're finding ourselves in a in a position where we're getting frustrated or or yeah you know someone's not towing the line how I want it to be then it's like hang on a minute our selfish motives getting in the way of of what should be going on yeah. and and you know so there's there's a, I think there's moments there where we need to sort of pull back and and think about what we're doing and all that so yeah I mean yeah. So we, we sometimes a, lose the core of what Christ is about, which is that relationship. Yeah, yeah. Which is what he's talking about there. You know, I'm in you, you're in me, can they be in us? And yeah. what's that boil down to? That we strong in relationship. Yes. Yeah. Rather than just the works that we do. Yeah. Um <clears throat> so just here's a couple of uh three passages that were sort of highlighting this, what God thinks of it. Um, mm. Proverbs six sixteen to nineteen. There's six things the Lord hates. No, seven things he detests: haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, evil, not evil, tower, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, 
a person who sows discord in a family and you know it's almost like oh there's 16 gods hey wait a minute here's another one mm. someone who sows discord in a family and thinking about the church as that family how dangerous is it for people and what is actually discord matt well it's the it's the you know i guess it's the the undermining of of people's ability and and you know right standing and yeah spreading rumors and all of that kind of stuff you know like it's just getting in there for the purposes of of pulling people down and and causing disruption you know that's what that's really what it's about and destroying those relationships between people especially and that's one of the i think that's probably one of the terrible things is when someone purposely destroys relationship yeah and i think you know later on i'll show you something even more heavy than that uh, then we went to James 4, 1 to 4. What's causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. Mm. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You only want what will give you pleasure. So, you know, we I look at that passage and I'm like, well, that's pretty bizarre can you imagine that really within a church are we killing people um at times yeah (laughs) what character yeah and yeah like again under undermining people you know even you know undermining the authority of the leadership or whatever because it because it doesn't fit with what we think should be happening or whatever so you know i yeah not physically killing yeah but but certainly that destruction of of relationship. Yeah. Um, and it yeah. seems to me like, you know, with Jesus did that sermon on the mount, he he very much said, you know, don't murder, but I'm telling mm. you if you ang- if you hate your brother, you've yeah. murdered them. Yeah. And That's it's right. like this the seed of what it is is in that. And yeah. um yeah, it, it's funny how we can try and manipulate things to get what we want. Um and that's a waging a war, I guess. Mm. Um, we want this, you're not giving it to me. I'm going to make sure that I manipulate the situation so that I get what I want. Yeah. And and again, it's back to here, you don't have what you want because you don't ask who for it, God. Yeah. Like, And I think that's one of the big things is that, you know, call on God, what do you really need? Um, are we looking for people to meet our needs? Because they never can. Mm. Um, and if we want them to, we generally have to manipulate them. Um, yeah. Yeah, and again, it comes down to motives as well. Like, yeah. you know, if it's if it's in that space of God's will and all that kind of stuff, then He's going to make a way for that. But that's uh, that's what it's saying there. You know, even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are wrong. You're actually yeah. doing it for your for yourself, for your own pleasure, rather than for what God is inviting us into. Yeah. So, yeah. And then he finishes that little uh, bit of information with this: "You adulterers." Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. So he's put it down to these these words here that, you know, if we're actually going to walk that way as Christians, yeah, we're actually not married to God, we're married to the world. Mm. We're adulterers. And that we're taking on the world system of, you know, self-promotion, self-enhancement, self-whatever, yeah. um, and... It actually says we're an enemy of God. Pretty strong words. Very strong words. Yeah. And let, let's go something even stronger. 
<laughs> Excellent. 1 Corinthians three sixteen and 17. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and the Spirit of God lives in you? Let's stop there for now. Mm. Matt, how significant is that statement? I think that's huge. Like it's, it's absolutely massive. And again, it comes back to what I was talking about before, the way that God positions everyone and puts everyone together yep. in a way that just fits. And as you know, like it's just an incredible thing that, that you know, like you, you can think about the church and, and the the variety of people that come. You know, we're talking about do we all have to be the same? Well, no, no. We, we don't. We're all made different. But the way that, you know, we have a church family that has so many different people from so many different backgrounds and yet it... Yep. It works because God is God is in that and brings that that unity and you know just that realization that that we all you know God has got a specific plan and place and purpose for each one of us that fits in perfectly with with everyone else. Yep. Um, and you know again, and that it's the Spirit of God that lives in us. You know, yeah. is that is the the same Spirit that was in Jesus in, is in us, and the same yeah. power that that Jesus has is in is in us, and yeah. and so, you know, we are designed to fit in a specific place and to use and and be equipped by the Spirit of God that is within us. Yep. Um. And so, you know, then then there's the question of oh, how how do you react yeah. in that space, and how can you possibly act in a in a in a different way, as as what we've just read previously, as adulterers, where we're turning our back on God, yep, um, because we want more of what's in the world than than what He has for us. Yeah, yeah. so true. And I think, like we just said there, you know, if we there is no way two Christians that are filled with the Spirit mm. and living in the Spirit can act like those people in James describe. Yeah, it's just impossible. Yeah. And so that's that closeness to God. And understanding that our unity comes from that, mm. you know, if we're not in God first, we can't be in each other. Like, in terms of have the same mind and, and same character. Yep. And what I like about it is is that that we're together the temple of God. So you've probably heard, you know, that we are the temple of God. You know, our yep. body is the temple of the yep. Holy Spirit. Absolutely true. Um, but this is more significant in the fact that, you know. Without the people being together, there is no temple. Yeah, no, that's and, right. And, and that really, as I was thinking about that, I was like, you know, people who say, oh, yeah, I can be a Christian without fellowship. Well, no, you can't. Like, that's just saying there, that's when we're together. Mm. And, yeah, sure, we're, you know, there, there are times when, you know, that's actually a good thing. Say you're in a church like James is describing there where everyone's ripping each other apart. Don't stay there. That's mm. not the temple of God. No, that's right. Um, because the Spirit of God's obviously not active in that place at the time um but then listen to this god will destroy anyone who destroys this temple for god's temple is holy and you are that temple Mm. that's quite scary yeah yeah it just really puts the gravity of it to me that i need to really watch what i do amongst the body of believers yeah that i'm not pulling it apart um, yeah, I don't want to be destroyed by God. So, flip side, what does it look like then when we do actually come to that place of unity? Psalm 133, 1-3, How wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. For harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head that ran down his beard onto the border of his robe. Harmony is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion. 
and there the Lord has pronounced his blessing, even life everlasting. It's very different from destruction. Just isn't yeah, it? just yeah. No, it's good. Contrast. Great. Harmony. Unity. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. And that's where I think, you know, that's really what I wanted to end on because it's like, guys, yep, this will happen. But guess what? If we can get this right, mm. well, firstly, like as Jesus said, people will, you know, know about God and they'll know that he loves them. Mm. Um, but also there's this pronouncement of a blessing upon us if we can get to that place um, yep. where we're living in that harmony. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, as you were speaking about, um, you know, that all the different things coming together and harmony, and I was just thinking, obviously you're in music, but harmony is exactly that, isn't it? It's like all these different voices, yeah, different absolutely. pitches all coming together, but somehow when they mingle together, yep. it's amazing. It is amazing. Yeah. And it's much better. Is it much better? I think there's some more beautiful, something more beautiful about it than a solo. Sometimes, yes, yeah, yes. That's it. Excellent. Very good. Catch you later. That was good. <laughs> Thanks. See ya. <laughs> See ya. <laughs>